Wake your ass up. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what, if you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you, no, I bet not, so you're not a man. <laughs> That's it. Well, we made it. We made it through 2020. I, I don't know what that was, what we just experienced for 365 days, but here we are, episode 49 of Stories Inside the Man Cave, welcoming in the new year, and we do have a shark sighting, as in the shark, Jeffrey McCulloch, the former Longhorn linebacker. Uh, Coach Mo will join us at some point, but Big Mike and Hardball Harge, we are here with Jeffrey McCulloch. Tell us what you've been doing since you last played for the Longhorns, which was not long ago, but you're, you're making big time with some projects. Yeah, man. Uh, so Corona has shown us that if you don't do it, nobody else will do it for you. So it, it gave us some sour lemons, and I just got to make some lemonade and vodka out of it. You feel me? <laughs> I like God. how you put vodka in there, though. I love that. I do like how we're – I'll tell you, you, know, he's a young buck. He's like, man, I got to get that drink on. <laughs> got to do something. We sit here standing at the TV for 365 days. Oh, yeah. I have to come up with right. something to do. Right. Yeah, that's good, right. man. So, like – so you're being humble – uh, you like Jeff, Jeffrey, does it matter? I mean, do you have a preference? Uh, does not bother me, Jay, Jeff, Jeffrey, yeah, whatever. Cool. Whatever comes out strong. Nice. So you're kind of being humble, man. If people don't follow you on social, I, I would, one, highly recommend it. But you, you got your hand in a lot of things, man. You're, you're training. You've got your, your rental company that I'll let you kind of talk about as well. And then on third, uh, you've got this new project with Fozzie Whitaker and I know our, our friend Peyton Thompson. Kind of, kind of tell everybody like what you're doing. We'll go through each one here in a bit, but how you kind of got to do that? I own a company called Last Stand Hats. We've we've been around for about two years. My light bulb didn't really click till 35, and you're what 23 now, 24? Mm-hmm. Fuck me, you're running 22. Yeah, so 22. I remember, I remember that age. So, but tell everybody, man, like you kind of are jumping into it. Like tell everybody what's going on. Uh, man, so I've always been a go-getter my whole life. Uh, I just hate being broke, man. I don't understand how people just sit there content with it. Um, so while I was in college, I kid you not, like, you know, all the little videos that you watch on YouTube with the fake cars and uh, the houses, the mansions, the planes, yeah, they got me. Uh, they tricked me. I'm a kid, no car, walking back and forth to Canes, eating Wendy's every night in the dorm. So I was like, hey, money. Money is the only thing I'm on my mind, money. Money, money, money. So, uh, I already had an investment background. I interned for a financial consulting firm while I was in high school, uh, came to college, dabbled in my own investments, trading, real estate, you name it. And it has eventually led me to here through the people I've met, uh, ideas I've created or either learned from other people. I'm not saying I stole it, but you know, you got to bounce and get some creativity from other places. And uh, we are here where we are today, just trying to make a way out of nothing, basically. So you said you started that, you've been hustling. So tell people where they can find you right now on your social media platforms. I am on Instagram at J-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-C-H 23. And then Twitter is the same, but the last number is 17. Okay. Okay. 23. I love that. That's my, that was my number too. I even got a tat on that. I ain't trying to let everybody know about my tats, but that's all good. So let me ask you this, bro. I mean, your time at the University of Texas and a lot of people that come to Texas, 
when they leave here, they still trying to find their way. And I know that you were up for an award. I saw you at Big 12 Media Days two years, your last year that you were here. You were the spokesman. You were the academic person that did the commercial about the Big 12. And you were there basically because you were a kid that, that did things the right way. You worked your tail off. You were serious about your education. If you were to leave one message to the kids at the University of Texas right now and the kids that are growing up, my, my good friend used to tell me, don't take the scholarship for the jerseys, the sweatpants, and all the nonsense that goes with it. Tell them about how you made that scholarship work for you. Um, so I had a guy come in, and he was a very influential, and he was the guy that kind of cultivated spirit around your, your thought process on what you wanted to do while in college. His name was Dr. Moore. He's a highly inquisitive guy. Leonard Moore. Dr. Leonard Moore. Yeah, Dr. Moore, the truth, man. And, uh, he came to speak to me while I was in high school. He didn't know who I was. He had had my cousin in his class. She told me about him. I saw him on a recruiting visit down there. Uh, but he finally came and spoke to my, my class class. It was like 20 people in there. He had no clue who I was. Um, and I was just talking to him, explaining everything. And then he was like, wait, you're that linebacker that everybody keeps talking about. I was like, yeah. He was like, don't let your scholarship pimp you, pimp it. I was like, I don't get what you're saying. But I get what you're saying. So then he broke it down to me. He was like, they're going to use you for four years and completely discard you when you're finished. While you're there, you should shake every hand, meet every investor, every booster, every regent, every professor. Heck, my professors that I met my sophomore year are helping me with my current projects. So UT's alumni system and just the network of, of people and reach and ability that we have is unmatched. So while there, uh, use it. Don't let it abuse you. Use it. That's what's up. Jeffrey, um, you as far as long as I've known you since I remember your first when you signed your national signing day, they had to reveal. But ever since that point, when you came on as a true freshman at Texas, I, I, I noticed quickly you're a thinker, you're a cerebral guy. Mm -hmm. uh, people gravitate to you. And I, and I know that's not your goal, but you just have one of those personalities. Now, you pivoted out like we've all tried to pivot during this ridiculousness that was the pandemic. Well, what people didn't see before we started rolling on this podcast, you have quite a production here. I mean, IGTV, uh, as we're live, live right now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting at it, man. What's up, lives? Y'all drop some likes, <laughs> waves, y'all. Give me some comments. Show some love. Let's get this going. <laughs> now, Life After Media Project, you've hinted on it when you uh, your response to Big Mike and, and Hardball Harge about being an influence it's your turn as you're building who you are and your brand to give back in a way from your knowledge but life after media is it simply life after sports is the um direction you're trying to take with that so basically the name was just a, a catchy name but we really want to captivate and show people our own narrative we want to be able to come out and show people who we truly are so how I'm able to express myself now, um, let you know what I've done in the past, or what I plan on doing in the future, and you get to see who the true me is and not what Longhorn Network edited out. I'm not saying anything against them, they're great. But they don't, ESPN, those types of guys, uh, it's not the true us, it's what is approved by everyone for numbers and ratings. So this channel was supposed to be for us. This is our way of showing who we finally are. 
who are your goals to have on this? I mean, I know we've got you've had Fozzie on there, you've had, had Peyton on there. Who who is like your Mount Rushmore? If you had to pick four people, you're like, <laughs> man, we get these guys on here, golden. Like we we've we've got something going here. Man, I want Colin Kaepernick, uh, LeBron James. Who else we thinking? Oh my God, sorry. Uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. Just he's the sweetest jumper I've seen in the middle of the White House. I've never seen a president come down, hit him with a head. Okay. Yeah. We get Obama. <laughs> uh, who was my last one? Me. If I yeah. can bring someone, <laughs> if I can bring someone back from the dead man, Sean Taylor. That's my four. Yeah. 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 You know, shoot for the stars, man. You, you, hey, any shots you don't take, that's on you, so to speak, that we don't take. Right. I mean, and you're very ambitious as far as what you envision for yourself. And, and Macomb School of Business, you're already a graduate of Macomb School of Business, correct? Yes, sir. And that's a hard program. Uh, Let's clap for that. Give it a clap for that. That's impressive. Man, so when I was in the, the MSF program, I would wake up at 4 a.m. I had to hydrate the past hydration test at 5. Yeah, PP test. Yeah, I had to work out at 6. Before that, I had to go to the training room, get all my injuries adjusted before class because after your 6 a.m. run, you have 7 a.m. weights. And I would go to class from 8 until 5 in the afternoon. Then I would leave class, come watch film a little bit, go back and work until about 11, until I finished my group projects. Because every day was a case study in grad school. Why? I don't know. It was miserable. But <laughs> I would finish every night around midnight and then go home, eat, sleep, play the game, go to sleep around 1, and do it all over again the next day. So it was not something I recommend for the weak-minded. Uh, <laughs> it is definitely a challenge. It is highly highly stressful especially in the midst of trying to play and be a leader and the number one player and, and linebacker that your team needs you to be so if you're not prepared it's, it'll definitely kill you but you have to go in with the correct mindset and uh i had a team around me that helped me do that the academics of texas uh just the academic staff there it was unmatched we had six people that were directly helping me set up my class and schedule work uh, get in with my professors. When, during fall camp, I couldn't go to class. So we still had class from 8 to 5 every day. Right. But I couldn't go. So Wednesdays, I would go and sit in his office from 8 p.m. until midnight. And he would teach me everything that I missed out during the week when I wasn't there. And then I'd come back the next week and retest and do all my tests. That's crazy. See, that, but, but, but I'm glad you explained that and laid it out, out Jeffrey. We're talking to the shark, if y'all remember, because we call it Shark Week around here. <laughs> but here's the deal that I want y'all to understand as a student athlete, when people always say, well, you're getting a free education, that's bullshit. There's time and effort that needs to go into getting that education. So when you say, well, they got a scholarship, did you just hear what this man said about what he did to achieve the things that he has so far with the Macomb School of Business that is not for everybody? It's not for everybody. Everybody can't just go to the Macomb School of Business and think that they're about to get this bachelor's and master's degree because he put that time in and he's not someone who has the time to be able to acclimate himself like a normal student. When you become a, scholar, uh, a college athlete, your time is not yours anymore. No. You spending all that there and for you to achieve that, 
Michael's clapping for you. I'm gonna clap for your ass again because because for you to do all that and achieve hell yeah, that, clap for him, clap for him. You gotta do it. Man. That was there Coach Mo, Shark. He's back. I He's back. There. What's going on, man? That's real, and I'm proud of you for that, man. And I don't think another enough people understand. And when they want to do that, when they get to go to school for free, ain't nothing free. He worked his ass off to earn that. When you earn that, you get the right to do those things. So kudos for you, brother. I'm glad you did that. Thank Coach Mo, what's happening? Yeah, what's up, baby? Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what you just said, man. Like, people don't realize what student athletes go through on a day-to-day basis uh, just being a student and being an athlete, it's a lot of work, man. You know, practice, then you have to go study. It'll be like almost midnight before you go to bed, and then you got to get right back up again early to do it all over again. Like, And the athletes have to take their classes earlier because they got to be at practice by a certain time. So yeah. while everyone else at home sleeping, snoozing and shit, athletes out there putting in that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you, man. That's, that's yeah. good stuff, man. Hey, Absolutely. Coach Mo, in case you missed it, um, Jeffrey had some mentors, and basically the message he received early on in his uh, academic side was, don't allow this to define you as an athlete. Take advantage of every minute, every opportunity academically. So, Jeffrey, my question. Hold on, Sean. Tell Mo what he really said. Don't <laughs> let them pimp you. Pimp yeah, that's them. That's driving exactly. it on. Let that scholarship pimp you. You pimp exactly. that scholarship. Absolutely. I hear those words in my mind every day. Exactly. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Take advantage because guess what? They taking advantage of you physically because they getting what they can out of you. So you need to use and abuse them and get what you need so you can come out on top. Yeah, McCullough, how many, how many 12 to 16-hour days do you think you've experienced over the last five years? Uh, I really couldn't give you an accurate number. That's pretty much every day. Like, I had a dog, and that's how I was able to measure, like, how long I'd be gone, was how long he was going without a walk. So most days were 18 hours. Mm. Like, guaranteed, no doubt about it, you're there, 18 hours. Uh, start at 5, you're guaranteed not back till nine ten. It just – it was the way life was. But that's if you didn't do anything, if you didn't want to have a life, if you didn't want to have good grades – so when people see the GPA of athletes, it's like, I got out of practice at 10 and I got to be up at four. And if I want to have a girlfriend, a phone, talk to my mom, do anything else, and then where's my study time? If I don't manage it correctly, right. 10 minutes of study or no, really, to be honest with you, I didn't tire. There's no studying. So that's why athletes suffer so much. It's just a matter of balancing and, and having your routine down and being disciplined. That's good stuff, man. I'm, proud, right. I'm proud of that conversation, man. And so let me let me ask you this, since we're talking about the 40 acres. Now, we understand your success, and I'm glad you've had so much success away from the football field, and now it's created this big entrepreneurship that you are rolling with right now. But talk about being on the field at the 40 acres and being a college athlete at the University of Texas. Everybody thinks the glitz and the glamour and the, the, the fun times but they don't understand the blood, sweat, and tears with you and your brothers getting into right. this situation. Like I said, I met you before at Big 12 Media Days, but I got to watch you interact with other people and things mm-hmm. of that nature, man. So, so talk about that brotherhood. And that's the, I talked to Mo about this before. That's the type of, that's the deepness that I love 
because these are guys that you have been fighting with every single day and you've been fighting together to try to accomplish this big goal. So talk a little bit about them brothers that you played with. Man, my dudes, you know, I love them to hell and back. They, we've been through it all. Uh, football is designed to break you down and your coaches don't build you up. The only people that can build you up are the people you're fighting with. So when you fall off that cliff, the only one that's going to be there to help you is your brother. So Wills, Malik, uh, Pequeno, Kyle, all my dudes out the linebacker room, they, we're a close-knit brotherhood. We go Thanksgiving, Christmas at each other's houses. Like, we went through a lot of emotional trauma together. Uh, people don't like to talk about it football, in football because, you know, we're so military-minded, hard-head, uh, go, 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 smash. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of us get depressed in there, man. Uh, our whole lives, we've been superstars, and now you're bottom of the barrel. Coach don't even play you. It's, it's a tough transition to make when you start to see the writing on the wall. So in that situation, it's nobody there for you but your brothers. And that's where the, the bond and camaraderie comes amongst for a lifetime. Um, I, I plan on having those dudes around me for a lifetime. Speaking of that, man, so as far as like, you know, you brought up Malik, Malik's in the league and, and a few of these other guys. Do you have, are you regrets? I mean, like, when did you know, like, all right, cool. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go to the league or not. I need to really start getting all my ducks in a row and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Kind of like what you said earlier, like, I'm on Instagram, I'm watching all this stuff. Because you were a hell of a player, man. Like, you could mm -hmm. ball out. So what what was your direction when you, when you were like, all right, cool, maybe this isn't going to work out. This I need to pivot, right? Uh, I just recently had that that uh, come to Jesus meeting with myself. My whole life until Corona hit, I was destined for the NFL up until the last day. I'm talking to ages, leaving school. Yeah, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. You just need your pro day. You're good. Uh, you're, you're straight. Like there's no problems. There's not even a question about it. Just right. go run your forty. You're gonna run a four five. You're gonna jump a forty. You're gonna bench press twenty two times, and you're six four. They're gonna take you. They just don't even worry about it. So that's really what it was. It was like, you make your tackles, make your plays, uh, make it through the season, and you're good to go. Go to L.A. training. It, it is what it is. Like, it, you're supposed to go type shit. So yeah. when all of a sudden Corona hit and I had to completely 180 flip course, it was like, wait, I'm, I'm at home. I, I don't understand what's going on. Like, why am I here? What is this? So I really had to buckle down. And the, the lessons I learned in college that I feel sometimes cost me my career in the way that I wanted it, but it wasn't for me and I didn't understand that then. They ended up teaching me how to perform now instead of going into a hole and crying about it. Yeah, so back then I was 18, 19, not playing crying, but it taught me that when things don't go your way, you can't just fold. Like, you have to find a way to make it work. You got to keep going. You have to figure something out because it, something has to shape. You can't just sit there. Uh, Yancey, our strength coach, has his, his favorite saying, they're going to put the boots to you. You got to get up. Yeah. So I, I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, well, if it's not this season, I can't sit here in my mama's house, spend up all their money, eat all their food, drink, eat their everything. So I got to do something to, for me to support myself. And so I just went back to what I knew. I knew business. I knew relations. So I started hitting up everyone I know, sponsors, athletes, and putting different projects together. Uh, everything I did finally came under one roof, and I was able to think about that as well while I'm still staying in shape, waiting on a phone call. So here That's we are cool. today. So if, so if they called, you would go, yeah, 100%? Yeah. You said what? So if they called, you're like, I'm on a plane tomorrow. Like, tomorrow? I'm, I'm walking to the airport right now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> hey, McCulloch, uh, one thing that I think a lot of people who, if they didn't understand before, they do now, UT 
football. I mean, I grew up around it. A lot of everyone here in this room understands it. Coach Mo actually played for Texas A&M. So UT football <laughs> that program is very unique in itself compared to other ones. Uh, we've yeah. talked it talked about it so much on this podcast, politics, expectations. Uh, you find out who your friends are outside of social media and outside the program. What did you learn the most that really you thought was bizarre about playing at UT that has prepared you to be have thicker skin in life? Uh, play the game. Yeah. That's the biggest lesson I learned. Play the game. I, I was a hothead, um, young cat. Thought if I keep banging my head, the wall will break eventually. Um, it did not. And I had to learn that you need to do what you need to do in order to get the results you want, not the result that you feel you've earned. Um, so with that being said, if something's not the way it's supposed to be, it's not meant for you, don't just keep bashing it on another way around. Uh, I was going back and forth with the some guys in a higher authority position, and they ended up winning that battle ultimately because I did not play my part. I didn't play the role. I didn't get what I needed out of the situation, and it cost me in the end. I, yeah, I felt better cussing back and forth, arguing back and forth. It made me happier. But in my end goal, I didn't get what I needed. Right. No, so now, now when I come across situations like I really, really don't want to do that, but I see what, what my end goal is or this person messed me over and I want to tell them go fuck off, but I know I can't, not necessarily need them, but it's, you got to play the game. I got to get out of you what I need out of you. Exactly, man. You never know when that person might come back around and you need something out of them. I've I've learned that the hard way too. I'm kind of like you. I speak my mind a lot. So I'm quick to be like, man, fuck you. I don't need you. I'll find another way. But in my, in my older age, I've learned to be like, all right, now I need to, let me see what I get. Maybe I'll need you in two or three years. I'm just going to brush you off right now. So Mm -hmm. that's smart. I didn't didn't learn that until I was 40. (laughs) But I'm starting to learn as, as though I choose better energies and better auras around me, I have better blessings coming my way. So, Instead of blocking me with negative energy, I allow others to do what they do and get what they earn. Speaking of negative energy, man, given everything that went on at the 40 Acres this year, right? Herman's on the hot seat. You know, you were just there. Did you reach out to your guys to be like, hey, man, how are things going? Like, do they allow you access back into the – are they, hey, Jeff, come on back, man. Like, come talk to these young cats and stuff like that. How how was this year on the outside not being a part of it and actually watching it as more of a fan – um, it was a little bit frustrating because while I was there, I had my old teammates coming back, talking in the facility. But, of course, with Corona, it's been dead. It's been – don't even think about it. Um, yeah. I have players that are telling me, like, yeah, sometimes I can't even get in the facility. So, wow, it's been non-existent. I had not been to a game. But, of course, I see my boys. Uh, every time I'm in Austin, I go down there, I chill with some of them. Uh, either the linebackers or my little guppies that I recruited, it just – my dogs oh, just up and disappeared. But as far as being in the facility, um, the big brother leader role coming back and speaking to him, it, it just hasn't been available this far. Yeah, that's tough. That really yeah, I, know. I miss my dudes. I miss the house. I'm, that was my home for four years, five years. I miss it. So. When you, when you look at that program and you, you kind of alluded to it uh, about there's so many more challenges at Texas. Texas can win. There's no doubt. It's proven it can. It, the ingredients are there. When you look at what you experience, what you see now, the external view outside of the bubble, so to speak, 
inside the players and coaches and administration only know is the public getting the right perception of what's really going on? No. What what are they missing out on? I see it. The public does not see it all. They see game day. They see the final result of, yeah, this player was late. He missed this meeting. We had six players miss lunch, so that's why they're benched. That's why this other team has, okay, State has 200 yards in the first quarter, and that cost us to lose by three. Um, but y'all don't see what them being late to the meeting did to the team and how it messed up the flow and feng shui of the locker room. Right. Now everybody's thinking, oh, they can do it, I can do it. I don't have to give my effort. Now they're not practicing hard. Now we actually lose to a team we should have beat. It just, it trickles down and y'all miss a lot of the intricate parts and pieces that are moving that create the final game day, uh, game day play or whatever you want to call it. Y'all only see that two, three hours. I don't see the 48, 50 hours a week that, that went into the mess of a, a game or orchestration that we put together in front of y'all. Mo, Man. I know you got something to say, dog. You've been, you've been too <laughs> quiet. I know you got some juice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I just like where you're coming from, man, especially, you know, a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, some of the experiences that athletes go through, especially transition from high school being a man to being, you know, just another number on the squad. And you got to work through the progressions of, you know, learning how to flow with the team, learn how to build camaraderie, knowing your position, knowing your role. And a lot of guys can get caught up in the shuffle. That's what they used to say back in the day. He mm -hmm. just got caught up, you know, and now he's just another player. I mean, now you're looking to transfer and all this other stuff. But mm -hmm. I'm proud of you for, like, speaking on that and, and also just understanding that it's a real thing and you kind of overcame it by, you know, like you said, just sticking with your boys, learning your role, being a team player, building that camaraderie amongst the team, and just know that it's bigger than you. It's it's about the entire team. And when a whole team comes together, shit, you unstoppable. It's, you know, the coaches have their role because they put in the plan, but the players have to execute it. So when you hold each other accountable, that's where those teams become, like, super successful or beyond that, they become friends like past football. You know, mm -hmm. I still got boys from a and man. We, you know, haven't played since, what, 2001? But we still stay in contact because we build that camaraderie and that friendship and that bond that could be never, you know, torn apart just because we went through that, you know, those hard times together. So I'm glad you spoke on that. A lot of people don't know about those parts when it comes to being student-athletes. Mm -hmm. When it's when it's 17 degrees and winter winter training, you spit and it freezes. You got coach calling you all types of names out your name. All you got is dude next to you, man. That's it. Yeah. I'm talking exactly. about your toes are frozen. You don't want to be there. You're tired. You're throwing up. People's puke is frozen on the field. It's literally all right, bro. Come on, we got ten more. The only yeah. way I'm doing it is for y'all, because I'm not doing it for me at this point. I kill it. So we're doing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm doing this so we don't all have to repeat. So let's get it done, man. I love it. I love it. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to have more with the shark, Jeffrey McCulloch. Uh, on the other side of this break, we're going to do what we call Man Cave Story Time, hence the title of our pod. And we'll catch you on the other side of this break. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
Happy holidays from the stories inside the Man Cave Podcast, boys, and our mission to help promote the generous and hardworking nonprofit organizations in the Austin area. We would like to highlight the Partnerships for Children organization, which helps 70 children annually find their forever family. They do so in conjunction with CPS by offering resources, support, and comfort for foster children and families. Partnerships for Children achieve this through four core programs, the Rainbow Room, Yes Mentoring, the Heart Gallery of Central Texas, and Holiday Wishes. To learn how you can support, serve, or donate to Partnerships for Children, visit their website, www.partnershipsforchildren.org, or give them a call, 512-834-4756. That number again, 512-834-4756. And be sure to tell them that the stories inside the Mancade Podcast Boys recommended you to reach out to Partnerships for Children. All right, Shark Week, Inside Stories, Inside the Man Cave continues with former Texas Longhorn linebacker, Jeffrey McCulloch. It's hard for me to say former because I thought you were going to play there forever. Man, did Jeffrey McCulloch, such is the life of a student athlete. Um, We really appreciate you being inside the Man Cave today. So far, what's the experience been like inside this beautiful, illustrious Man Cave? Man, this is what it's supposed to be like. The guys talking about guys' things. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, everybody's here. The cleanup man, Harbaugh Harge, uh, Big Mike Murphy, and Coach Mo inside of his beautiful car. I'm inside the car. I'm inside my wife's car in front of the Academy, dog. That's what we roll, baby. What is that? A, was that a minivan? Was that a Cadillac minivan? Hell no, nah, we ain't got no minivan. Because <laughs> there's a minivan. <laughs> hey, let's do a uh, rapid fire, if you will. I- I'll-, I'll throw you a softball to begin, and we'll just uh, build momentum with each of us. Ben, let's see if I knock it out. McCulloch? Yeah. Can Texas win a national ch- or any form of a championship with the current situation staff in place? Yes. There we go. Ooh, Ooh. I like that. I like that. He, spoke, I like he that. said there were confidence. Oh, I got one for you. I like throwing out these kind of questions. Other than Texas, what other school was you strongly considering? Uh, to go to? <laughs> yes, to go to. <laughs> who else, who else were you, if you weren't going to go to Texas, who were you going to commit to? Shout out Mike Murphy. <laughs> I was going to Palo Alto. I was going to be a, a techie. I was going to Stanford, man. That's right. Stanford, huh? What yeah, uh, a... Ivy League degree. Absolutely. We're close enough. All right, man. Who's the, who's the, the fucking hardest hit? Given that you hit that you remember when they got up, they're like, God damn, or you got rocked and you were like, Fuck me, I'm in college now. I got both, man. Uh, which one you want to start with? They're both pretty funny. You tell me both, man. It's your, your show. Uh, I'll start with with Pat, <laughs> the hardest hit I ever delivered. We were in practice. Do y'all know what inside drill is? Uh, so we're running inside drill, uh, guard pools, uh. Pat Hudson, y'all remember him, big strong. Mm-hmm. Big Pat Hudson, Jesus, huge. So I'm playing the weak side linebacker. I'm making my read. I see him pull, so I scrape over the top, and I notice he doesn't see me. And I'm like, all right, this is a huge dude. Like, this is the strongest man. Don't come in here. <laughs> so all I did was just took my head and ducked it and hit him hard as I could under his chin, and I lifted him. 
and he went flying backwards and I ended up making a tackle. But he got up and like blood was gushing everywhere. We was like, damn, what happened? I ended up knocking his chin strap off and slicing his chin open. He uh, had to go oh, wow, chin. wow. Get all this knocked back up from just me hitting him, doing my job, button pressing, trying to make the play. I was like, hey, y'all are. Oh, right there. Hold on. <laughs> but then the hardest hit I ever took, man, very first play of college. So let me just run it back for you. I went to school at Aldi. We ain't, we ain't the best football teams over there. You feel me? We, we go first round, then we be done. So my last game was – Star Creek, we lost by three in high school. I went from that to it's Labor Day weekend or whatever weekend it is. We're the only team playing, no NFL teams. We're playing on a Sunday. We got a million people watching us. We're in prime time, seven o'clock. That's Notre Dame game. That's Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame game. So I went from high school seniors and sophomores, 20 tackles in a game to what the hell is this? Yeah. What in the world is loud? I can't hear. I can't breathe. The receivers are bigger than me. Coach, this, this don't make sense to me. This is not what y'all told me football was. So, ball snaps. I'm like, all right, I'm cool. I ain't scared. I take my little drop back. I'm like, all right, bet. I see a little DB receiver. I'm like, y'all, I'm finna clean him up. I come across a field. Boom! I hit him, but I just froze. Like, you know how you hit the little the, uh, little thing that they put when you break your elbow and you start vibrating? <laughs> like, my whole body just started vibrating. Just sitting there. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I look back at the number, I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I was like, that's a receiver number. Hold on. You hit me like that? I said, oh no, nah, coach, this ain't this ain't what I thought it was. Y'all not playing out here. Hold on, let me tighten this chest strap up. Them boys out there hit it for real. Man, that receiver changed my life. Changed my whole life. That changed my life. The change how I had to think about football, how right. I had to think every play, yeah. man. It, Cause I was just so used to being so much better. Like people would just lay down. I hit him. He ran smooth through me. Like I wasn't even on the field. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. All right, Michael Robinson, you're up. Michael Robinson. My name is Hardball. Hardball, damn it. So I got a question. I mean, you know, I might have missed this part, but the most influential person in your life that number one that you lean on the most. I know you talked about Dr. Moore, but that was when you got to Texas. Mm -hmm. the most influential person in your life and what made you decide to play football in your life? That's a good one. Um, that's a two-person question. I mean, a two-person Okay, that's fine. Bring it. Um, most influential in football, I'd have to say my high school coach, James Showers. Uh, like many people know, I was one of the best basketball players in the state. I was getting ready to go to school on basketball scholarships. My sophomore year, I was – Heading into basketball season that spring, and I told him I'm done. I'm not playing football anymore. He begged me, pleaded, went to my mama and daddy. They begged and pleaded. I was like, all right, I'll do one more. And in the few months that I did, so I played that spring basketball, came back for spring football, and had 10 offers after that spring. So I was like, well, I guess I'm staying. <laughs> and then most influential person in your life? Um, parents, definitely. It was my grandma, but she has passed away, but parents for sure. Uh, anything I do, I run it by them. They just, they make sense. They did it 50, 60 years. They might know something. <laughs> right. right, I'm with you. Amazing how those G-Malls, they make a lasting impression on our lives. There's no doubt. Man, I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. She was the truth. I, I feel you on that one. I really do. Coach Mo, did you, did you already give him a round fire question? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, I just want to make sure we didn't leave Coach Mo out since he's in the minivan. 
You know. Hey <laughs> <laughs> man, we don't have no minivan. Approach out. <laughs> All right, this is how we close things out, my friend. Um, man cave story. Ah, I'm not gonna answer it for you. It could be <laughs> football. It could be Texas OU. It could be some moment in your life that you a uh, story that you love talking about that uh, really describes your experiences and the Jeffrey McCulloch. Mm, whoa, that's a, a loaded one. Right. <laughs> I, I can only pick one. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, can you give me a question again? That's that's um. A man cave story that really that uh, a moment that you that you continue to gravitate to that you a moment a story that you love telling people about it. It could be something like Texas OU or a big game or just a big moment in life that was not only comical but made a lasting impression on you. USC when I got my first set, uh, coaching change grades uh trying to get into my major didn't get into McCombs first time around that's another thing people that's another lesson I learned uh if you don't get it keep trying uh so at this point I was down bad I mean you could ask my girlfriend at the time she was running relations trying to just keep me afloat from day to day and uh yeah USC I wasn't playing I wasn't doing anything I was sitting on a bench and then out of the blue, the Lord threw me in the game and I beat the hell out of guard, go get a sack, and make it a third long. They punt, puts us in position to go score, take the game to overtime. So that's one of my favorite stories is in the Coliseum when we needed a sack more than ever to save the day. I finally got my chance. I get out there, I make a sack on Sam Darnold after beating Ronald Jones and everybody to the quarterback. Got to throw the shark fin up in the Coliseum, just live the little kid's dream finally. And uh, <laughs> it was definitely a moment to remember forever. All right, that is a wrap on Shark Week on episode 49 of Stories Inside the Man Cave for Coach Mo, Big Mike, and Hardball Harge. We out. See ya. Wake your ass up. Man, I could lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. Oh, man, I'm not as creative as y'all, but Shark is signing out, man. I appreciate y'all having me. We good, player.